Good morning. As Bill said, my name is Paul Junius. Reading from today is uh, from Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Paul. Well, this past year for fifth grade, Bryn had a teacher by the name of Mrs. Hand, who is known for her joke of the day for her students. And two of my favorite jokes of the day from Mrs. Hand go as follows. What's brown and sticky? A stick. (laughs) I like that one. And then the other one goes like this. What do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. (laughs) So I like that from Mrs. Hand. Those were two of her jokes of the day that we heard from Bryn, from Mrs. Hand. But we're returning in popular Proverbs to this rod of discipline theme that we started last time we met for corporate worship. And I brought the stick from the beach that I told you about last time, first of all, as a visual aid, but second of all, because it really did make me feel very powerful last time. So I really like kind of preaching with this thing in my hand. But we're working through this rod of discipline theme, and it comes up again in our popular proverb for today. And we'll read out of the ESV this time, but the rod of discipline comes up twice in Proverbs 23, 13 to 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol or from the grave or from death. And so here we are again with this rod of discipline theme. And last time we preached about this, we kind of acknowledged that it's kind of a touchy subject. When it comes to physical discipline of children, it's really touchy because we even looked at some examples last time of when physical uh, discipline can quickly turn into physical abuse of children. And opinions on spanking and using physical discipline vary amongst people. And last time we talked about this, Paul Junius came up to me after the sermon and he said, I wonder how much of people's opinions about spanking and physical discipline are generational. You know, I'm sure as you get older, more of us were spanked. I mean, I was spanked as a kid. Any other people that were spanked in this room? So yeah. But as you get younger, spanking seems to become less and less prevalent amongst people. So I think Paul has a point. It's probably generational. But here we are again with this rod of discipline theme, and it's in here. And so regardless of how we feel about it or regardless of what our opinions are about it, we have to deal with it because it's in Scripture and we can't just cross it out of there. And so what do we do with this rod of discipline theme that pops up over and over again, especially in the book of Proverbs? Well, something we have to understand about the rod of discipline in Scripture is that the rod of discipline or physical discipline was always, always, always for correction. It was never vengeful. It was never retro, never power tripping. It was never punitive. It was always to correct the person receiving the stick. It was always to correct the person receiving the physical discipline. It's actually for the benefit of the person receiving the rod of discipline, for the benefit of the person who's getting spanked. I mean, look at Proverbs 26.3. Guide a horse with a whip, a donkey with a bridle, and a fool or someone who needs to learn a lesson with a rod to his back. I mean, that's kind of pretty vivid imagery, you know, beating a fool. Right? But again, it's not about just beating them because they're an idiot and it's fun to beat idiots. It's about correcting the person. It's for the benefit of the person, right? Guide a donkey. Correct a donkey with a bit in its mouth. Correct a horse with a whip. Go this way, horse. I want you to gallop now, horse. And guide and correct a fool with physical discipline as well. 
And Proverbs, not only is physical discipline always for correction, but it actually gives us this order to discipline. Look at Proverbs 17.10. A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. So it's advocating to speak first before you resort to physical discipline. Or as I like to say, speak before you spank. Use words before you resort to the rod. Speak words of correction before you have to spank to correct. Speak before you spank. For people wondering, what do we do about spanking? I I looked up an article by a Christian psychologist by the name of Danny Huerta. And this article, he wrote an article for Focus on the family. And this is what he says. If your family chooses to discipline through spanking, it needs to be the most infrequently used tool in a comprehensive discipline toolkit. In other words, you should have other methods of discipline that you go to first. And if those don't work, then is when you spank if you choose to even do so. Okay? So speak before you spank. Words come before spanking. And from the perspective of a parent... I would way rather have my kids be corrected through my words than have to resort to some sort of escalated punishment. It's not like I'm sitting here going, oh, I hope I get to whop them for this one. Oh, I hope I get to come down hard on it for this one. Like, no, I'm not like sitting there being like, ah, I can't wait to get that stick out again. No, that's abusive, right? It's like if all I have to do is speak words of correction and they're corrected, problem solved. It's easier for everybody. Now we don't have to come up with a punishment. Now we don't have to take away screens. Now we don't have to do, d- deal with grounding or some sort of removal of privileges. It's just so much easier. Because all I want is my kids to correct themselves. And if it comes by way of words, then so much the better. Right? Speak before... So what do we do as parents, especially in this room? Should we be spanking? Because the popular proverb from today kind of looks like it advocates for spanking. How many of us have heard this phrase, spare the rod, spoil the child? That's not biblical, actually. Spare the rod, spoil the child is actually written by an English poet, Samuel Butler, back in the 1660s, and he wrote it in a pamphlet that was making fun of the Puritans. (laughs) So he's actually making fun of Christianity when he wrote, spare the rod, spoil the child. He wrote this ironically. So are we spoiling our children if we choose to not spank? Because it kind of looks like Our popular proverb today is telling us you should be spanking your children. So what do we do? Well, again, it always is for correction. The rod of discipline is always to correct. And I'll just speak from my own experience for a second here. Spanking didn't really work. If it's for correction, and if we're not seeing correction, then why are we doing it? And that was our experience. It's like we gave it a try, And I wasn't seeing the lesson being connected in their heads. And I'm like, well, what am I doing this for then? If they're not changing their behavior, then why am I spanking? And I realize everybody's situation is different, but for our kids, it it, it was confusing, and we didn't see the change that we would have hoped for, so why am I doing it? For us, removal of privileges was far more effective. Like, no more screens, no more switch, no more TV. That went way further than a spank ever did. Because again, it's for correction. I want to see a difference in the kids, right? So should we spank? Well, Proverbs tells us, speak before you spank. So you're not just running to the rod right away. 
And then Christian psychologist Danny Huerta says two things. He says, if you do spank, number one, it should be a last resort. It should be the last thing you go to. And number two, it needs to be done correctly, meaning within boundaries. You need to be calm. You can't let your anger out when you do it. It's very, he even says, if you have a, uh, you know, an escalated temperament, if you get angry easily, don't even try it. Right? So there has to be strict boundaries around it if you choose to do it. Okay? Solomon, in the beginning of Proverbs, appeals to his children to receive correction. All right? Look at Proverbs 1 verse 8. He says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. So he even tells his own kids, receive this. Be corrected, kids. Right. And so this part of the sermon is for the kids in the room, okay? And you've probably heard this before, but sometimes it helps to hear it from somebody who's not your parents, okay? When you're punished or disciplined or face some sort of con, it is not your parents just trying to be mean, okay? It's not like they're like, ha-ha, yay, I get to punish my kids, Woohoo! Right? Punishments are to help you learn to love Jesus and walk in his ways, Okay? Punishments are not your parents being mean. It's your parents teaching you to love Jesus and walk in his ways. For everybody in the room, who's ever been punished by their parents? In here, okay? Now think back to a punishment that you remember. Now were you punished for no reason or were you punished for a reason? Legitimately. Were you punished for no reason or were you punished for a reason? I was around fifth grade, fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, and our school had some sort of practice in the gym. We must have had some sort of musical program that we were practicing for. Everyone had to go to the gym to practice our songs as a musical practice. And somehow I was seated next to my cousin Dustin, which was my first mistake. Because my cousin Dustin was trouble. Here's a picture of my cousin Dustin with my sister Catherine around the time that I was seated next to him at this thing. And I mean, just look at him. He's total trouble. You know it. Just by looking at him. Still, some would argue, is trouble today. Although he was a cop for a while. So, so now, he's, now he's security at Meyer. So if you try to steal from Meyer, he'll get you. Um, secret. So anyway. Uh, but he was trouble. He really was trouble. And so we're in this practice. And it's not long before all of a sudden I get wrapped into the trouble too because I was wearing these 90s windsuits that were so popular at the time. So this is me with something on my head. I don't know what it is. Looks like a dead animal of some type uh, or a furry jellyfish on my head. Um, so this is actually visiting my grandpa in the hospital after he had uh, bypass surgery. Um, and so I think the second time. Anyway, so I was wearing this windsuit or, or one like it and I'm with my cousin Dustin in this practice. And somehow we got to like zipping our heads in our windsuit jackets, right? Because it's like, ha ah, I got no head now, right? Like, yeah, you know, zip the head up in there. Like, I'm headless, you know? So I have my head zipped up in my windsuit jacket. And all of a sudden I feel a hand grasp my shoulder. And the hand is lifting me out of my seat. And I hear my music teacher's voice say, back to your room. So now I'm, I have this hand on my shoulder. I've been told, you go back to your room. Dustin is being grabbed as well. But the thing is, is all this is happening while my head is still zipped in my <laughs> windsuit. And I'm trying to grasp for the, 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 the zipper, but I can't free my head. So now I'm literally like this in front of the pool, like being sent 
back to my room while I'm like trying to free my head. So I'm sure that must have been absolutely hysterical for the school to watch Bill, headless Bill Brevelde bumbling around in his windsuit. So, so I finally free my head, and we're, we're trudging down the hallway, loafing down the hallway, and it occurred to us on the way back to the classroom that we're like, uh-oh, when we get back to the classroom, our teacher's going to wonder why we're back. So we better have an answer. And Dustin was more the bully athletic type, and I was more the mamby-pamby artsy type. So we, we decided that I was better with words, which probably. So, so I was going to do the talking. So we, we come in. So we burst through the door of the classroom, and I says, our music teacher sent us back for no reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and our teacher goes, if you were sent back to the classroom, I'm sure it was for a reason you'd better go sit at your desks and put your heads down. So we sat at our desk, we put our heads down, and we waited with our heads down until the rest of the class returned from practice. But that was the end of it. Like, the class came back in, and we put our heads up, and I was kind of like, and, and learning resumed, and I was sort of like, boy, we kind of got off easy here if all we had to do was get sent back and put our heads down. So I think we kind of got easy off that one. But, but when I came back, I said, I was sent back to the classroom for no reason, which is obviously not true. There was totally a reason. And that reason was I wasn't practicing, I was disrupting practice and messing around with my windsuit. Right? So I, I had to be corrected because I was not practicing, I was messing with my windsuit. And so discipline is for a reason. Not for no reason, discipline is for a reason. It's for the benefit of the person receiving the discipline. It is for correction. Discipline is for correction. But there's a problem, and this extends to children, but it also extends to all of us, and it's a human sin problem, and that is that we don't like to receive the correction. We don't like to receive the discipline. We know it's for our own benefit, but we don't want to receive it. How many times did I slam the door on my way, walking away from my parents as a teenager? That's one more week, right? Wham! Nothing good ever happens when you slam the door, because we don't want to receive the correction. We don't want to receive the discipline. In Proverbs 1, Solomon tells his children to receive parental discipline and correction, but the problem is, is that children don't tend to want to receive the parental discipline and correction. In Proverbs 1, the latter part of the chapter, a lot in Proverbs 8, and then periodically throughout the book, there is this figure in the book called Lady Wisdom. And she appears on the scene in these poems in Proverbs and she speaks words of wisdom like God speaking wisdom through her. So when she speaks, we're to read that as Lady Wisdom is saying these things, but God is saying these things through Lady Wisdom. So when Lady Wisdom speaks, God is speaking. And here's what Bruce Waltke, a commentator on Proverbs, says about Lady Wisdom. He says, Lady Wisdom is a one-of-a-kind heavenly mediatrix who mediates God's wisdom to humanity. In other words, she's a mouthpiece of God's wisdom. So when she speaks, we're hearing wisdom, but it's actually God's wisdom spoken through her. And here's what she says in Proverbs 1, to 25. How long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. And remember, Lady Wisdom's counsel is God's counsel because God's speaking through her. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. There's the refusal. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. There's the rebellion. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. 
This is the problem for children, is they don't want to receive the correction. They turn away from it. And this is the story for God's children as well. That we turned away. We refused his correction. We went our own way. We refused his wisdom. We wanted wisdom for ourselves. We grew wise in our own eyes. We ate fruit from the forbidden tree, and we did our own thing. We rebelled. This is our story. And look what happens when we rebel. Lady Wisdom again in Proverbs 1.32. For simpletons turn away from me. They turn away from God and they turn to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. We turn away from God and we turn to death. Because our way is better than God's way. This is our story. That we rejected God. We rejected our Heavenly Father. And we went our own way. We grew wise in our own eyes. But here's the good news. Look at what Lady Wisdom says in Proverbs 8.35. For whoever finds me, or finds the Lord, finds life and receives favor from the Lord. And so when we turn our own way, we're choosing death. But when we choose to turn to our Heavenly Father, we're choosing life. Our Heavenly Father is life. Turning away from our Heavenly Father is choosing death. And we all have this sinful want to rebel and turn away from our Heavenly Father, to turn away from life and turn to death. But when we turn to our Heavenly Father, we are turning to life and we find life. And when God becomes our Heavenly Father, when we place our faith in Him and become His children and are adopted into His family, now that God is our Heavenly Father and now that we are children of God, we must receive His discipline and do away with this rebellion. Time to stop turning away from the Lord, turn to him, become his child, and now receive in his discipline. Last time we talked about this, we had this as our scripture reading, Proverbs 3, 11 to 12. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves. He corrects his children, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. When we turn to the Lord, we become his children, we find life, and now we must receive our Heavenly Father's good, loving correction. And on top of receiving the Father's loving correction, the Father corrects our death dilemma. He corrects this sin problem within us where we keep choosing death all the time. When we turn to the Lord and place our faith in the Lord, he actually corrects our rebellion. He corrects our death dilemma and this desire that we have to turn to death all the time. And here's how he corrects our death dilemma. All right, if you've heard nothing else today, hear this part because this is my absolute favorite part and it gives you joy. I've had joy all week since I made this connection this week. It's just never-ending source of joy. Here's how the Father corrects our death dilemma. Remember the order of discipline that Proverbs sets up for us. Speak before you spank. And this is exactly the order that our Heavenly Father enacts with us. Let me illustrate. Our Heavenly Father speaks before the rod comes out. Look at what Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 2 says. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So this is through the Old Testament, through his written word. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, through his son, Jesus. So what Hebrews is telling us is that God spoke and he speaks through his written word, the Bible. And when we turn to his written word, therein we find the capital W word, his son, Jesus, as John 1.1 calls him. Son, Jesus is called the word, capital W word, in John 1.1. 1, 1. So he speaks through his written word and he speaks through his capital W word, his son Jesus. 
So he speaks first to us through this and through his son Jesus. Speak before you spank. And he speaks through his son and he speaks through his written word. Got that part? Now here is the joy part. When the rod comes out, it doesn't come down on us. It comes down on his son Jesus. He speaks first. He speaks through his word and he speaks through his son. But when it does come time to bring out the rod, it doesn't come down on us. Only son Jesus. He takes the rod for us. Look at Isaiah 53, 5 to 6. But Jesus was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path. We've turned to death. We've turned away from life to follow our own path like a bunch of fools. Yet the Lord laid on him, his son Jesus, the sins of us all. It's Jesus' back that bears the stripes of the rod, not our backs. He speaks to us, and when it comes time to spank, he does not bring the rod down down upon us. He brings the rod down upon his own son, Jesus. I thought of this phrase this week. Ensured by us, endured by him. The rod of discipline is ensured by us because we all rebelled. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we sin, we ensure the rod. But the rod, though it is ensured by us, is not endured by us. It is endured by God's own Son, Jesus. Back to our scripture reading today. Proverbs 23, 14 says, Physical discipline may well save children from death. And the rod being brought down upon God's Son, Jesus, saves God's children from death. We've been saved from death. Because God has brought the rod down upon his own son, Jesus. It was ensured by us, but it was endured by him. And so as we come to this table today, we remember that Jesus died for us, but let's also remember today that he took the rod for us. There's a reason why he was beaten. Because he takes the beating that we deserve. He takes the physical discipline that we deserve. He takes the rod on his back that we deserve. So when you lift your cup to him today, remember he not only died for you, he was beaten for you. So that you would not have to be.